Well, let's get into the Word. We've got a few moments. Let's give honor to Jesus. Father, we're grateful that you are the head of the church. Father God, and we are your church. We ask you to give us wisdom, revelation. We thank you, Lord, and in the times that we live like the sons of Issachar, Father, give us understanding of the time and let us know what we should be doing. I thank you for the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God for every person here. Father, I pray this season of grace in my life would spread on every person that we speak to, Father God, and your favor would overtake them, and your joy would overtake them, and they'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen? Wow. Wow. How many know we went to do a men's little, little retreat, man, and August became winter at night? So those of you who slept in your own bed and didn't have to turn the heat on, thank God for heat. I think it was 48 degrees when I woke up and I was breathing steam. But anyway, God is faithful and uh, he is good. And we got some great men at Grace Life Church. Can I have an amen from the base section? Wow. Well, let's get into the word today. We have a time to get into the word. And usually I'm, you say, what are you doing up here? I got to scratch like 90% of my notes. <laughs> but I want to talk to you today as we finish on the next. I just wrote in my notes this, um, the next, what we do next, what we do next. And I love that Pastor Jeremy came and broke down some of the details and really the white throne judgment, the, the tribulation. How phenomenal. Can I have an Amen. amen. And just let you know, but the, the concern that I have is so many times when I'd avoid preaching certain things over the years, it was because the church would hear about it, they'd delve into a de deeper understanding of the teaching, but they'd never do anything about it. And so what we've preached over the years all around the world is the gospel that has a church that's kind of passive and not aggressive and, and kind of sitting by getting puffed up with knowledge. But the Bible says, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. So if these things be true, we should be doing. And so I, I've watched this eschatology taught in a way that causes Christians to almost, almost be escapist, like what are you doing now that you have this knowledge that, that Jesus is coming for his church? The rapture is happening soon. And the white throne judgment, this is what that's going to be. And this is what this is going to be. The tribulation you don't want to be a part of. And, and, you know, we break down all the details. And then it's like, and then it's like wow, we need to get out of here. <laughs> all hell's breaking loose. Have you watched the news? And, and then it's like, you know what, I'm just I'm going to come pray that, Lord, <laughs> What thou must do, do us quickly. You know, kind of like the Judas prayer. Like, just do it quick. And, and, and I think what we miss is the revelation of John. As he says this, I was in the spirit. And this is where, if I don't even get past this, I think I'm going to just stay here. Because I had all this stuff to share. And the Lord said, it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my spirit. So over the years, I've shared certain things, and pastors have shared th certain things, and, and Pastor Jeremy, I'm sure, in other places has shared this, and it can stick to you, but there, it has to cause an action. It has to cause emotion. It has to cause faith to arise in your heart. And I thought about the men. We were having this awesome time at men's camp, but men, if we go away and we don't do that stuff and we don't practically apply it to our lives, it profits us nothing. I think one of the greatest 
greatest respectful thoughts that, that someone could say is you live the word. That, that you just don't teach the word, you live the word. You act out the word. You do the word and it works in your life. And so that's what we want for every person here. So as I broke this open, I used this scripture last week because we're talking about faith and expectation. What is next? What is your personal expectation? You see, first, or excuse me, Colossians 1.27, there's a divine mystery, a secret surprise, a divine mystery. A mystery isn't easy to figure out. That's why it's a mystery. So you're thinking, what is this thing? What is this thing? Secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now is being revealed. Look at that. Is being revealed, unfolded, manifested for every holy believer to experience. How many, how many are believers? So that's for all of us, not just for the pastors, apostles, teachers, you know, missionaries. No, no, no. This is for all of us to experience. Living within you is Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. So this creates this, on the inside of you is healing. On the inside of you is joy. On the inside of you is Jesus. On the inside of you is everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. How do we, as the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, how do we get what's on the inside to the outside? How do we become doers of the word in a way that you can raise, not lower, your expectations? So I went, if you have expectations and God has expectations and he says, stay in motion, occupy until I come. Matthew 24, 46, blessed is the faithful servant when his master returns and finds him doing. And we left off last week when we were talking about that point too, uh, how Jesus said, go into the highways and hedges because my banquet dinner was not full yet. And so I just, I just kind of picked up on something that he was saying. I was meditating on it. And he said, as they made excuses one by one, I bought a cow. I need to go prove it. I bought a yoke of oxen. I need to prove it. Who does that? I, I bought a piece of land. I, I need to go look at it. Who do, well, maybe today a lot of people have online. And at the end of COVID, people are just buying stuff because they couldn't get to see it. So they just buy it. But then I, 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 I just got married. I got a lot going on. I can't come. The Lord said to me, these are practical everyday primary excuses that we use of daily situations that take priority and precedence over the will of God for our lives. I'm busy with my business. I'm busy getting real estate. I'm busy with my job, my farm, my stuff. And I'm... I'm <laughs> Come on, we, can't we put everything on hold? We're getting married. And the Lord says, no, no, no. Stop making excuses. Go with urgency. Go get the lost. Go get the lame. Go get the broken, the hurting, the maimed. Go grab them and compel them to come to my house that the banquet might be full. So then the Lord said to me, how compelling is your life? How compelling is your witness? What does that look like? And so now we want to get into this sermon that says, man, be driven by eternity, right? You got to focus on the eternal. Understand it's harvest time, right? Go make disciples of all nations. That sounds really good. 
But if most believers can't break it down to action steps of everyday life, it doesn't really work. We say all those things, but then God says to me, if you can't see and understand like the sons of Iskar, you don't know what to do. So before I got to these notes, the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, what is faith? I said, faith. You gave me the answer, and you put it in us. It's Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And then he asked this question. What do you get accused of a lot? Being a person of faith. Why do you get accused of things? <laughs> because you have high expectations. Then they call you a visionary. Whoa. Is that, that's not such a bad thing. A visionary. You see the, and they say you see the big picture. You can see the big picture. You're a person of faith. And I thought, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Or one translation says, the evidence of things not yet revealed to the senses, the five senses. But then God goes through his word and tells us that he's revealed things to us through his spirit. So now, if we can't see what God is doing, the Bible says we stumble all over ourselves. If we can't see, so I was getting ready to give you a whole other message, and God said, it won't work if people can't see. And I said, God, wait, wait, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? He said, give them these three illustrations. The first one would be over there in Mark, where he talks about Peter. Peter is like a little unstable. He's all over the place. He's cutting people's ears off. He's, he's quick to deny Jesus. He's quick to get out of the boat and walk on the water. But something about Peter that he believes and then when he makes this bold, audacious statement, I'll never leave you, Jesus. He says, Peter, chill out, man. You're doing this in your own ability. And in your own ability, before the cock crows, three times you're going to deny me. No, I'll be with you till the end. Till the end. And a couple times, Peter runs off. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Wait, wait, wait. What's, what, what's the pastor praying for? That your faith would not fail. Because I said last week, you can gauge your expectation, you can gauge your faith by how your expectation is set. Which, what are you expecting? The word of God, the promises of God, the goodness of God, to be a witness, to be joyful, to be healed, to walk in blessing, to reap a massive harvest, to possess the land, to take dominion. These are all the promises of God. He said they're yes and amen. But man, Peter. And then Jesus asks him a question, and he says before this, Peter, who do you say that I am? He said, well, some say you're a good man. Some say you're a lie. Some say you're the prophets. And Jesus turns and looks at him and says, who do you say that I am? He said, boom, direct revelation from heaven. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Good answer, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So in other words, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against a person that has revelation of who Jesus is. This is the revelation that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I fell down like a dead man. Wow. And on the Lord's day, he sees what? This revelation. He writes this book. I must show you things that are about to come. And all of a sudden, this veil is taken off his eyes. We call that, that's why we call it the book, light. 
We call the book Revelations. It's called Revealed or to see or to have exact knowledge. All the, what would you do if you could just, you're, you're, you're walking through, you're asking God for a situation concerning a relationship, concerning a business, a job, the will of God, a college, and just, you're kind of a little bit confused because you're operating in a fallen world, and you're kind of living by what you see, and you're reasoning things in your mind, but all of a sudden you get one revelation, and boom! What did Mark Hankins say? I'll take one revelation over a billion dollars. One revelation. One seeing and knowing. One Jesus walks amidst the churches. And he stands as the light in the middle of the church. And he still does today. So he says, I'm going to build my church upon somebody who has a revelation of who knows who I am. How many know Jesus? Now, now remember what he said. Flesh and blood has revealed it not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So the flesh and blood, the, the temporal, the temporal, the temporal doesn't give you a good understanding of the eternal. So what God's trying to tell us here is, if we go to Genesis, and this just popped into my spirit, and the Lord said, how did I operate with the father of the faith? I said, Abraham, man, he was... He was this guy that he believed you and it was counted unto his righteousness, Romans 4. But you go back to Genesis and you start reading about Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I brought you to a place and I put you up on a hill in Israel. And I said, Abraham, look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. For everywhere that you see, I will give you. Now we think, with that, Pastor, that's, that's why Israel's the size it is. That's all he could see. No, 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 that's not what he's talking about. You see, let me give you this, because a, a revelation that my mother prayed over our, our brothers and sisters and myself for years was the Ephesians 1 prayer. And so I'm going to call it, I was going to call it something else, but if, if you're taking notes, write this down, because I think it's so important. Every time I pray for you, I thank the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Father of glory, would grant unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus, that the, look, the eyes of your heart... I want to say this, the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. Pray that every day. Because you can't win in this last days just seeing what you see in the natural. The eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. So he tells Abraham, lift up your eyes, look everywhere you can see. What was he talking about? Look into the spirit. You know what he told him? He told him one day, get up in the morning, take your son, your only son. This is a man of faith. Faith has eyes that see from the heart. The eyes of faith can see what's not yet revealed to the senses. A man of faith can see things. That's why you think I'm crazy. I see things. And they keep me awake at night. And I see what's next. I see what's next. I'm not telling you I'm so spiritual. I'm telling you I'm excited. Because what's next is exciting. And so when you see into the spirit things not yet revealed to the natural eye, that is why I say to you, you have to learn to walk by faith, not by sight. So he said he was getting ready to cause God to give Jesus when he told him, take thy son, thy only son, lay him down at Mount Moriah. He said, I got up, I took the lad and the ass. And then he said, 
leave the lads, leave your servants at the bottom. And you told the servants, stay with the asses because I'm going to a higher place. I think I'm going to have a message in a book called Stay With the Asses, I'm Going to a Higher Place. <laughs> Stay, some, you don't understand what's about to take place up there, so you have to stay down here. So he took the wood, the fire, and the, and the son said to him, Daddy, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the sacrifice? <laughs> Isaac listened to the words of faith because he saw with the eye of faith, surely the Lord himself will provide a sacrifice. Abraham, listen to what he sees and listen to what he hears. Take thy son, thy only son, and kill him now. Bind him, lay him on the altar. Okay, God, I trust you. I believe you. I want what you want. It's your will. Pulls out the knife, gets ready to kill his only son. Why? Because he already seen a picture of the future in the book of John. It saw, he saw way off. That he believed, the Bible says, that he was going to kill his son and God was going to raise him up more beautiful than he was before. But God wasn't talking about his son. He needed his faith. He needed him to see something so that maybe a couple thousand foot up in Israel is what we call Golgotha. The range of Mount Moriah is where he was with his son Higher up was a place called Golgotha that he could see afar off where Jesus would die. And the Bible says that there was a ram caught in the thicket. The Lord himself will provide a sacrifice. You say, what is all that? That's what Abraham saw with the eye of faith. And he believed it. And he had action and he did something about it. And God brings his only son into the earth. Because God does nothing unless he does it by faith. Without faith and expectation, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that he is and a reward of those who diligently seek him. So the eye of faith, the eyes of the heart that you have have to be unveiled. They have to be open. You have to be able to see things. And can I tell you in the church, without the power of the Holy Ghost, you have no hope of that. I know I said that pretty quick, but without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have no hope of that. Because in John 16 and John 14, the Bible says, and when the Holy Spirit has come, your comforter, your advocate, your parakletos, one called alongside to help, he will, one of the main things he's going to do is show you things to come. How many want to know things to come? How many want some revelation? You don't just get that by yourself. I thank God for his direct knowledge, for his exact knowledge. I thank him for the light of the word of God. But when the spirit of God is working with the word of God and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, now he's guiding and leading you into all truth. And, and, and part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to continually be showing you what is to come. But if you're not understanding that the eyes of my heart have to be open, I have to be able to see, I have to be able to understand and so this third one is where the prophet says, these massive armies are all around us. And the servant went out in the morning to, to go get some coffee and start the fire. And he said, Master, don't you care that we perish? There's massive armies around us. And the, 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 the prophet of God didn't get all upset. He said, just chill out, man. There are more that are with us than are with them. And the young pastor couldn't see. He couldn't see 
into the supernatural. And can I tell you right now, I want to pray a blessing on you today because if you're living by your emotions, you're in trouble. If you're living by what you feel, you're in big trouble. If you're in this last day falling away, where we, uh, ten, five wise virgins, five foolish. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and your oil tank isn't overflowing, you're in trouble. Because what will happen is you won't learn how to trust in the Lord with all your heart and you will lean toward your own understanding. You'll make decisions on your understanding. You'll be offended because you're understanding. You'll lean toward what you think and what you see with the natural eye. And that's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by the expectation that's created in your heart that you can see. And so he says, there are more that are with us than are with them. And the kid's probably shaking going, uh, 10,000, 11,000, 12,000, 13,000. I got to tell you, prophet, <laughs> no, they're, they're one, two, three, a donkey. There are more that are with them <laughs> than are with us. <laughs> and you know what he said? Lord, I pray now, open his eyes that he might see. And the spirit of God opened his eyes and he said, wow, there were chariots of fire all over the place. There are more that are with us than are with them. I, I want to pray that. Lord, open his eyes. Open her eyes that she might see. So we go, Pastor, why don't people see the eternal? Why can't they be focused on the eternal? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has planted eternity in the hearts of men, a divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the Ages that nothing under the sun can satisfy but God alone. Then I look over at Colossians 2. Listen to it. Christ's resurrection, verse 1. Christ is your resurrection. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Now look at verse 2. Ready? This is what we're supposed to be doing the King James says, set your affection. Where's your affection? Set your affection. Set your heart's affection on things above. This says, yes, feast on the treasures of heavenly realm. Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Because that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. What's he tell us? Ready? Look at this, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But on the contrary, the scripture says, what I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, makes ready, keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him, and gratefully recognizing the benefits he bestowed. Wow. Remember, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. See, you're not of this world. And the Bible says that which is seen is temporary and that which is unseen is eternal. So shouldn't we be living for the unseen? Shouldn't we be living for the unseen? Shouldn't the unseen become more real to us than the seen? 
That's what the life of faith is all about. That's why when Mark Hankins got that when I was 16 and listened to preach the same stuff on righteousness and that the eyes of your heart, he said, I prayed every day, several times a day. The eyes of my heart are flooded with light. I was praying for my daughter. The eyes of her heart are flooded with light. She sees and knows who she's called to marry. The eyes of my son Gabriel, heart flooded with light. Judah, flooded with light. My wife, flooded with light. Your eyes, flooded with light. Your eyes are open. The eyes of faith can see what God is doing Next, how many want it? Someone say more revelation. More grace. Now, why why didn't it happen, Pastor? Why doesn't it happen? Because as Jesus walks in the midst of the church, Revelations 3.15, and this just happens to be the church of Laodicea, and he tells us this. He says, and, 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 you know, I've preached these probably 50 years ago, even when I was in chapel. It was the easiest sermon to get kids stirred up about. I mean, you know, if you're lukewarm, if you, who's lukewarm in here? But you, you don't understand the customs and the times. There was actually lukewarm water was useless. You either need the water to be hot, to cleanse, or cold to have a thirsty drink. In Laodicea, there was these aqueducts that the sun hit the, 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 the deal, and when the water came out of the mountains, it actually produced cold water that ended up being warm. And so he's using a revelation to tell us Hey, you're either cold or you're hot. I love the way he says it in this uh, passion. Listen to what he says. I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were one or the other. But because you're neither hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. That really gets the youth teenagers stirred up, man, back in the 80s. I'm telling you. I'm coming to Jesus, man. Now you fill the altars real quick. You're hot. If you're not hot, <laughs> Jesus. Am I lukewarm? I could be lukewarm. It's like, my God. For you claim, listen, listen what he says, but because you're neither hot, you're lukewarm. But listen, listen to the issue of the church. Listen to what he says. You claim I'm rich. I'm getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless. You are miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked, you're barren. I counsel thee, listen to what he says, purchase some gold perfected by the fire so that you can be truly rich. How many want to be spiritually rich? This is what God's talking about. He wants you the riches of his glory in Christ. The riches of his glory in Christ is not a gold bar. The riches of glory in Christ is you know who you are in him and everything God has in him is in you. This is the mystery that he's trying to reveal for you. You don't need to go get healing. It's in you. You don't need power. The same resurrection power. Don't call the pastor. Put your hand on the cancer and curse it. That's what we're teaching you. You are a powerful believer. Well, go to the priest, this whole area. Get to the priest. I was in a church the other day looking at some properties, and I looked. There was the confessional. Remember that confessional? I looked in there. It felt eerie in there. I went to confess, and I said, is this true? There's this little screen here, and you can't see who's on the other side. Well, you can just jump up. I'd be like, who are you? <laughs> Whoever said to confess to a man? That's not God. But I felt weird. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at this and going, wow, purchase, listen, this is key as we, as we wind down. Listen, purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness, your sinful nature, righteousness, 
the righteousness of God in Christ clothes you in the white raiment of Jesus Christ. You're washed in the blood. But listen what he told them to do. Then purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those that I love, I unmask and train. All those that I love, I take the veil off. And I train and I teach. What are you living for? See, I think they were like the church where I used to live in Tulsa. They were blessed. They understood faith. Everyone was prosperous. But they forgot about the lost. They lost their passion for their first love. They they, they weren't intimate with Jesus anymore. Because what people do in the United States of America, they get the motorcycle, the lake house, the stuff that they think they desire, and they use their faith to believe God for stuff instead of using their faith to believe God for souls and seek first the kingdom because it's the last day harvest. God says, set your affection on the eternal things. Focus on what I focus on, and I'll take care of the earthly stuff. Get out of the temporal into the eternal so that you can really see what matters. Come on, give a shout if you believe it. Now, now listen, I love this because I always used to, when I first started traveling in the ministry, I love this because he told Abraham, because I, I cross-reference where Jesus says, don't wait four months. It's not four months and then the harvest. Lift up your eyes now. Come to the keyboard, come to the guitar. Lift up your eyes now. Lift up your eyes. What does that mean, Pastor? Lift up your eyes now. What are your eyes focused on? Can you give me your little to-do list today, Seth? I know Seth, if he gets any extra time, he throws on the fishing vest. He's going to wet the line. Everyone's leaving camp yesterday. Seth's headed to the river. I'm going to fish. Caught a big catfish. I'm going fishing. That's what Jesus said, but he told the guys like, Seth, come with me. We're going to fish for things you don't even know about yet. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So you can be passionate about, like with Brother Roy, when we go down to Florida, he takes us on his new boat. And I mean, there's marlin, there's sharks, there's, there's mahi-mahi, there's baby dolphins, and you're, they're just jumping all over the place. Like, yeah, he lives for that. It's crack of dawn, man. He's out. He, he, he's taking us way out in the middle of nowhere. And I said, dude, if you go too far, I'll be drama queen and I'll need some drama mean because those big waves hit me. I'll puke. I said, stay in where we can catch fish. Don't go too far. But you know that passion, listen, that passion, urgency for the catch. Urgency for the catch. God said, is this what you're living for? So, so when you're doing something, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my car painted, my, my 66 Mustang painted right now. And I said, Lord, this is going to look cool. Pick the color Mustang red. It's beautiful. And I'm standing there watching the guy. And God's telling me stuff inside. I love him. This isn't about getting your car painted. This is about this man's soul. I want you to become friends with him. This is, this is like months ago where I started ministering to him. I didn't even know he painted cars. But he said, Lord, it's about his soul. Just keep loving him. Just keep loving him. Just give him a free barbecue sandwich. Tell him how much God. Just be the life of Christ. Be the person that, that, that he can see Jesus. And then he can see hope because it's Christ in you that's the expectation of the glory. That's the glory that, that, that a man can see a bald-headed dude that he can see some glory 
that God sent. He's, he's like, I'm thirsty. There's something you got that others don't have. There, there, there's some saltiness in you that makes me thirsty. See, you can drive a horse to the water. You can't make him drink, but you can put salt in his oats and make him thirsty. Winning people to Jesus is easy when they're thirsty. When they understand that that's, that's the hope in you. That's God's glory in you. That's, that's the infio. That's the God within me celebrating the God within you. And there is God that has not yet revealed Jesus to people unless the Holy Spirit reveals it. They're not coming to Jesus. But guess what? How will they hear without a... The Bible says without, they have to hear something. I can't wait to get into this new series, Who Told You That? You don't want to miss that. Starts next week. But how, how can you hear without a, how can you hear? You have to hear a word. Who told you that? You're dumb. Kid never made good grades. You're ugly. Kid always had low self-esteem. You'll never have anything. Kid always lived in poverty. Who told you that? The enemy wants to tell you that. Who told you that? You look like, a, someone told someone we were counseling, you look like a porn star at a young age, and, and they went in that direction in life. Who told you that? Yeah. You're not enough. Who told you that? I don't care what you say. Satan uses words because that's what God uses. God uses words. Everything in the kingdom is made up of words. One word from God can change everything. You just look at somebody. You're a favorite of God. You're deeply loved. Really? He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He purchased you with his own blood. You're an eternal being. You're going to live forever in heaven or hell. And Jesus made a way for you not to go to hell. You can go to heaven. Because he so loved that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. The eyes of your heart can begin to see what's really going on. So after Abraham says in the Old Testament, listen to what Jesus says in the New in John 4.35. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to the disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months? Look at all the people coming now. It's harvest time. Their hearts were like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for the harvest. Everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. What should we be doing? Everybody who reaps... Everybody who reaps, everybody who reaps will receive a reward. Ready for the harvest. Everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. Both those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap spiritual harvest will celebrate together with great joy. So then we jump over real quick to James 5, and he says, go to the rich man. Go to Bill Gates. Here's your pick. There you go. Blessed be with you. God be with you. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Don't, don't start, when you meet people, don't just start talking about Job right away if you're a Christian. Please don't do that. That means you're weird. Ready? James 5. Go to Richmond. How? Your clothing, your, your moth-eaten moths. He said your gold and silver. They're hoarded up for the last day. Warren Buffett. He said, Listen. You can't hear the cries of the laborers over the wages you fraudulently held back with those who've worked for you. This is the times we're living in right now. The cries for justice of those who you cheated and have reached the ears of the Lord of his armies. 
Listen, look at what he says. You have indulged yourself with every kind of luxury and pleasure this world offers, only su- suffering your heart full for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered good and innocent people who had no power to defend themselves. Meanwhile, now he writes to the church. How many are in the church? <laughs> Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, we must be patient and filled with expectation as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. How many got some expectation? Well, I, Pastor, I just want to go home and sit in my jacuzzi. My back hurts. I'm going to go eat me a steak dinner. Well, do it. But keep your focus. I'm going to go. You got to keep doing. The Bible says occupy until I come. I'm going to keep giving, keep serving, keep tithing, keep signing up for life group, keep working the church, keep building my businesses and, and stuff on the sides for the kingdom, keep possessing land. Wait, 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 wait. Be patient. Filled with expectation as you wait for the appearing of the Lord. Think about the farmer, how he waits patiently for the earth's harvest. It ripens because the early and the latter rain. So you also must keep your hopes high and be patient for the presence of the Lord is drawing closer. Wow. So you look over here and you go, wow. What's God saying to the church of this hour? And I looked at Revelation 14. And we've been talking about this, right? He says, and he looked, 14, verse 14, and he looked and behold a white cloud. Upon the cloud was one that sat like the Son of Man, having his head with a golden crown and his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice unto him that sat on the cloud, thrust in the sickle and reap. Wow, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that has sat on the cloud thrust in the sickle of the earth, and the earth was reaped. And then he goes to talk about the grapes that are going to go into the, the great pressure, and the wrath of God is going to hit the earth. Jeremy talked about all that. Get ready, get ready. But God says, I'm going to thrust in a sickle. He goes, that's great, God's thrusting in a sickle. But angels don't get people saved, people get people saved. When the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. How many are going to heaven in here, by the way? Ready? About three quarters. How many are going to heaven? Put your hand up. How many really are going to take some with you? How many are going to take some with you? You see what the world's waiting for? But you know what? I, I can preach this all day long like it did a lukewarm sermon. I can tell you, have, I can tell you stories right now that make you cry. About all the people I've seen all over the world get saved and miracles that happen. It doesn't matter. If your eyes aren't unveiled, you're never going to be a soul winner. Something happened. Your dad, Paul Sankey, something about that man, isn't it, George? He walked in the room. He wanted to tell everybody everything. He walked into the Pennell's post office and go, moo, real loud. He worked for Turner's Dairy Farm. I, I ran into him there the first time before I even knew him. I ran into him. I go, who is this guy? He was teaching the Del Carnegie course to people, and he had this charisma. He just was telling people all the time about God's goodness, and he couldn't help but to tell his story, right? He wanted to kill himself. The devil had him. He got in the car, didn't like who he was, turned on the gas, put the hose in his mouth, passed out, and the car ran out of gas. Isn't that true? That's your daddy. You wouldn't be here without him. You say, what happened? He was sitting in the hospital, 
And Mr. Turner came to him and said, I'm going to make you the best salesman we've ever had. Is that true? And your dad and George went around the city buying houses, building houses, financing houses. And he told us one day, he said, if I had a, a huge thing to show you how much God blessed me, I wouldn't be able to do. I can't believe how God has blessed me. And I'm sitting there going, that man lived for God. He lived a life for God. He lived an enviable life. He lived a salty life. He lived a life that poured his life out for others. You know what? My dad came out of the church. Some blinders fell off his eyes. Everything looks different. I can't believe. You say, when did it happen for you? I told you when I came back from Puerto Rico, that first missions trip at 15 years old, I came back. My parents picked me up, and I said, everything looks different. You see, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost... All of a sudden, you start to see things in the spirit. You start to see people as they are, not as they present themselves. You don't see cool, cool boots, skinny jeans with no butt in the pants. You, 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 that says, what kind of, ch is that a church? Pittsburgh, yes. You, you don't look. You don't look at the outward. You look at the, well, we, we do look at the outward, especially when we're looking for a wife. Can I have amen? But anyway, it's, it's partially true. But, but. I seen in the spirit. And the Lord told me, you say, how do you know? You, you, think, you think, Pastor, how do you get this lady? You know what? I met her on the phone. She said, this is Amy Allen. And the Holy Spirit said in here, my eyes were open. He said, that's your wife. Tell her. I spoke it into existence. I said, you're my wife. She said, well, I'm going to marry you too. I said, yes. Thank you, Jesus. We committed the first time. Is that true? But we dated two years. Some of you guys are looking at me. We dated two years. Let, repeat that. On, we dated two years. Did you hear that, Hannah? We dated two years. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. We were pure before God, ready to make a ministry that would build the kingdom and not bring reproach and be committed like Pat Wayne for 57 years. Let's go. Come on, come on, say, say, I see the eternal. Come on, say, I see the eternal. Holy Spirit. Open my eyes. Say it. Open my eyes. Wow. She so says, so I said, Lord, lift up your eyes. I want to see the fields. I want to see the fields. But you know what? When I got out, when I got out of Rame, I used to, I went to Russia for months of my life and helped plant churches. And I'd always go to that side with my Bible school at Rame, and I'd hand my, hold my hand in prayer school toward Russia. And right after I graduated, I went there for a while. And I went back and back and back. And I said, Lord, I'll move here if you want me to. I said, but send me to the place where we'll have the biggest harvest possible for my life. The Lord said, go to Pittsburgh. You say, I'm prophesying stuff. I'm seeing stuff. In the next month, more change will be in Grace Life Church than you've ever seen in your life. More change. More miracles. I told you in prayer, and the people that come to prayer, remember, next level. God said you're cleared for the next level. You're cleared for the next level. Guess what? Not everyone goes to the next level. You say, why? Because not everyone can see it. Not everyone can see it. Well, the people are already in my wife and I's life, the persecution has turned up. You say, how do you know something good's getting ready to happen? The persecution level always goes up. The needle always moves. People start saying stuff. People start talking. People start gossiping. People start giving their opinion. You say, why do they do that? Because they're insecure and they're immature. 
And they're led by the flesh. They're led by their feelings. They're led by for their emotions. They talk about everything. And God says that person doesn't qualify to go to the next level. You know what? you got to forget those things which are behind and move forward to that which is in Christ. And the Lord told us, I was sitting with Pastor Bill Shear and Pastor Mike Hayes. He said, be careful, Buck. You love people a lot. And God didn't mean everybody to go to the end with you. Some for a reason. Some for a season. Some for a lifetime. Remember that. Some for a reason. Some for a season. Some for a lifetime. But man, when you get that revelation, come on, let's go. You feel the joy? See, it's all by faith. I can't give you the exacts. My board's grabbing my coat. They'll slow down. Pastor, you're ready to rip something out and pull something in. They're like, let's go. Because when you get revelation, that's not about me. You know what I dream about at nighttime? More parking spots. <laughs> because if it's, you see that road out there? Pastors drive by my church, they text me, man, it looks like a good crowd today. You're parking people in the creek. <laughs> you, you, you know what? You say, wait, you Hefner could have a gold jet, fly a bunch of naked chicks around, and I can't believe God for a parking lot? Come on, we're getting a parking lot. People are coming to serve God and they got to walk on ice the whole way down the back road like this. I'm like, are you all right? Do you need healing? No, it's icy. <laughs> so you say, why does God give you a vision for bigger, for more, for more nations? For I, got, I got the water well. I got the next water well. Pastor, we'd rather build another water well. I asked you, how much money's in there? She said, yes, go. Keep going. Keep going. And they showed me the last water well we dig last week. And I watched those kids getting cold water. I said, Lord, let's dig 52 a year, one a week. That's what's coming for us, one a week. Five grand, what is that? I don't know. Quarter of a million dollars, it's nothing to God. I said, thank you for fresh water, Grace Life Church. Because you're doing the will of God, we get to see things change. And we get to see the biggest harvest field come in like never before. Wow. All authority has been given unto you. All authority has been given unto you in the universe. Matthew 18, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came and said, authority of the universe has been given to you, to me. And, of course, he gave it to us because he said what we bind and what we loose is bound. And what we, wow. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to do that. That's what you're called to. This is the last day harvest. The sickle is going to come in, but God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you to reach your neighbors, to reach your relatives, to reach your friends, to reach your dad, to reach your mom, to reach your grandma, your uncle. God's waiting to reveal himself through you. This last day harvest. You know, I lived in a, I lived in a, in a youth pastor barn in Warsaw, Indiana for three and a half, three and a half some years. And I watched grandpa come out, my brother's father-in-law. And he had these huge combines ready to go. It was late September. Soybeans and something else. Thousands of acres. And then my other, my sister's husband, 10, 13, 20,000 acres in Kansas. And I watched them. I watched them. They said, man, when it's harvest time, everything stops. We go gas up the trucks. We get the oil, all the equipment oiled. Grandpa was 90-some years old. He set up in that massive combine. It was far as that keyboard to that guitar he's ready to go man he set up in that air-conditioned John Deere and it was time for the harvest to come in everything stops everything stops it's time to get to harvest 
It's time to get a barn to put the harvest in. It's time to help precious humanity. You say, what was Jesus talking about? Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Don't say. Don't say. Four months, six months, ten months. He said, lift up your eyes and look around. The harvest is now. You say, what are you pre- preaching about today, Pastor? I'm excited. You know what your pastor's excited about? <laughs> the harvest. You know what I think about day and night? The harvest. You know what's happening in the earth? A sickle's going to be cut in. I was born. You were born. We were born for such a time as this. God's assembling a team of harvesters. How many are excited about that? How many are expecting something? Are you expecting And can I tell you, if you're that guy that witnessed to someone and think Christians are weird, some are. But because some Christians act weird, doesn't mean you're not a powerful harvest tool for the kingdom. I watched you at the men's camp. You got a good-sized bicep, too. You're a man of God. You brothers here, you guys are taking dominion. Where's Conan at today? Where's Conan? Okay. This other guy, what do you call him? Batista. This guy looked like an inhuman. Walking around with his shirt off at camp, he made us all feel like sissies, didn't he? It's like everyone puts their shirt back on. He's a harvest machine. You called into the kingdom for such a time as this. Can I tell you, I'm going to pray because i got to stop and we're not singing happy birthday. <laughs> so weird. If I embarrass anyone, Marshall's at the next campus and it's his birthday on the 17th, we're going to say we're going to sing to him. But can I tell you, God's using every one of us in this last day harvest. And I, I just want to pray for you because sometimes we make it I was one of those kids, man. I ran to Captain Coleman. I ran to, as soon as I turned old enough, I'd go to T.L. Osborne's and I'd go to Or Roberts and go down to see Brother Copeland and Isper and Tulsa. And then I remember, Mom, they were, there was a prophet that oil was coming out of the lady's hands. I was like, I got to see this. There was feathers when she spoke. There was feathers falling. I think there's a dude up there throwing feathers. I'm serious. Half the stuff in the body of Christ, you got flaky Christians falling, and they're never, they never become stable people because Jesus said, you wicked and perverse generation, you seek a sign. But you know, know what I've learned in my life? How God works is living by faith. We're convinced that we have what we do not see. Our expectations are high, and then God shows us things of the future, and we lift up our eyes, we pull off the blinders, and we go in blind faith, and we say, God said, take this step. I don't know what anyone else said. Nobody's voting, but I heard the Holy Ghost, and he said, go. So I go, and God's always there. So that's what God's telling you. What makes a great leader? You've got to see some things. What makes a great husband? You've got to see a vision for your marriage. You gotta have a vision for this kid. Just show up. I love to embarrass this kid. I'm just kidding. He'll get kidding. When he sang, "How He Loves Us," David Crowder, I was weeping like a child. I thought, if that's all I get in life, I got it. And Mike Mike McMill said, "Hey, dude, you could be like Gabe Crowder." I was like, 
But, but listen, isn't that where it is where, where the next generation, that we are not perfect people by any means, but we serve God so authentically that our children want to serve the God we serve. Is there any better blessing in life? And you say, why? Because they have been unmasked to the truth that God uses imperfect people. They have been unmasked to the reality of one second in the presence of God. His glory shows up. That's what we live for. One second in the presence of God is what we live for. And then people see that hope and that glory and that expectation. Then they come to Jesus. We're all going to go probably eat lunch somewhere, I bet. It's pretty natural. It's pretty normal. But can we get you today to lift up your eyes a little bit? Can I get you today to see with the eye of faith? Because if you can't see with the eye of faith, if you aren't open to the eyes of the Spirit, if you can't lift up your eyes, this means absolutely nothing to you. And unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, it's not going to be revealed. You'll check the box, go eat, and come back next week and have a little, put on some lip plumper and a little bit of tattooed eyelash. Get your hair done, come back to church. And it's all, and, and Paul would say, it's all temporary unless you can see with the eyes of faith. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that I, I can't do too much, but the Holy Spirit can do everything. I thank you for the word that's been preached. And I thank you, Father God, that people see by the Spirit. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I want to see Jesus I want to know him. I want to understand him. I want to be a, a follower of Christ. I want to become a disciple. You said go make all nations. Go make disciples of every ethnicity. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm with you until the end of the age. Go heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. I'm coming for my church. Who's ready? Who's ready? If you're in this place today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, as Pastor Jeremy was talking about, you don't want to be here when the church is extracted out. I promise you, you need to have a relationship. Today, the Bible said you have an opportunity to receive the invitation, an RSVP to say, I want my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to have a no-so relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're watching online, pray with us in about 20 seconds. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, when you pray, I'm going to make that commitment. The rest of my days, I want to be a child of God. That's you. Just throw your hand in the air real quick. Just put it up. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. Thank you right there. Thank you. Somebody else, just put your hand up real quick. Don't miss out on this prayer. Don't miss out on this prayer. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand out. Somebody else, 10 seconds more. Say, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, man. I feel the Holy Ghost. See, I, I can't do this. You feel like, I know this is true. Something on the inside of you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Something on the inside of you is telling you, this is the truth. Thank you, sir. This is the truth. The truth will make you free. Some crazy dude said, said don't say truth again. Well, well today there's going to be preached some absolute truth. Because the word of God is where all truth comes from. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. If you're online, pray with us right now. Everybody in this place, let's pray together. Say, Lord God, I believe Jesus is 
the only way. And he's the son of God that went to the cross and shed his blood as a sacrifice for all my sin. He did it to redeem me. He did it to forgive me. He did it to make me new. He did it to make me just like him. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's God. And today I ask him to come into my heart. By the Holy Spirit, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm never the same in Jesus' name. Come on, give a shout if you believe that. Listen, somewhere, somewhere, type in there, I gave my life to Jesus. Call the church. Do something. Here, we got little cards in the back. Grab one of those on the way out. Make, take that next step. But, but I want to give you a birthday gift. Here's what it is. I woke up the other day, and, and uh, the Lord said to me, he said, I'm going to show you my goodness in your 55th year of life. I said, what do you mean? He said, what's the number five mean? He said, it means grace. He said, well, you're getting double grace this year. Someone say double grace. Let me pray over you. And then who's coming up? Seth, get up here, Seth. I'm going to pray as I walk out. Hold your hands up right now. Hold your hands up. Close your eyes. Then when you wake up, Seth will be talking to you about his fish. Ready? Say it with me out loud. Father, I decree on my life double grace. You said the anointing goes to a leader and it drips down on the body and that you would command the blessing. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I am blessed like never before. I submit to this church and the will of God for my life. And now I receive. In the next year, I'm taking double grace. I receive favor in every area of life. It's mine now in Jesus' name. God bless you. He is good.